what do I have to find about growing up? You know what I'm saying? Like feeling better, living better, better location. What he failed to tell you was when you're on my time, I can reclaim it. I, he left that out, so I'm reclaiming my time. Please, you respond. Are you kidding me? Who are you rooting for tonight? I'm rooting for um everybody black. Betting on black tonight. I'm sorry for the realness. Hey everybody, it's Whitney from WhitneyDanielle.com and NetworkAndSpill.com and I'm excited because I have not done a hashtag Stranger Danger episode in what feels like forever. It has been a long time since I've done one of these and it's one of my favorite, one of the most highly anticipated segments of the show, so I'm really glad to bring you a new stranger. I don't know how I found this stranger, I'm going to be honest, like I have no recollection of how we found each other, but obviously, you know, I like to find people on the gram, and she's somebody that I've been following for a little while. She is DC-based, which makes me very happy, and she's in the financial realm, so um, I found her account, I've been following her for a bit, her page looks super legit, and I was like, okay, we have to talk, and I'm going to talk a little bit about how how we started our conversation because it's really, really important. So make sure you're staying to the end for that. Um, but I really like the idea of talking to somebody right now and just having like a, a, an example of what hitting somebody up and what a real conversation can look like after you've met someone on the gram or online. Because a lot of times we talk about how we meet friends on the internet, but we don't always like go through that whole thing, right? From start to end often, or we don't see other people doing it. So I want you guys to see, um, I literally do not know very much about this guest, but when she got on this line, I had to ask her how to pronounce her name. Like that shows you like if we were in target at the same time with our little masks on right now, we would not know each other. I'm, I'm fairly certain I, I would not know who this person is, but I'm excited because this conversation is going to be so good. And I know you're going to learn a lot because this person is super educated and she's really smart. She's got a lot of stuff that she's offering. She's an entrepreneur. So she's got a lot of financial things that she's offering. She's in the financial realm. She has an MBA. She's working on a lot of different things. Um, and I think she said she's going to be certifying her business as a, a women owned business or something like that. So we'll talk about that too. But without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest, Miss Michael James. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Whitney. I'm super excited. And I don't know how we started following each other. You know, I think Instagram, especially like business Instagram gets like that. Like you just start following someone and then you never know where it started, but you know, it blossoms. <laughs> it really does. It really does. Cause I know you have in your bio. And so guys, by the way, if you have your phone out, go ahead and follow her real quick. Her handle is the bougie budgeter and she spells that the, and then bougie it's B O U J I E budgeter. Make sure you follow her on the gram. Her page is super legit. She's got like IGTV videos on here. She's got really cute graphics. She's got um, a lot of stuff about financial innovation and like things that she's been doing and her, like all of this. You can make, make sure you follow her. So you're based in DC. Have you always been in DC? So I am born and raised in DC. My dad is from Southeast. Um, my mom is from PG County, so we've always been here and I went to Hampton for college and then I came back after graduation. So I've been back like in the city, in the city for, uh, the last two years. Mm-hmm. So you went to the other HU. No, the real one. <laughs> <laughs> 
no. This has never happened before. <laughs> this is actual stranger danger because I was never <laughs> accepted to come on this if I knew. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Okay, guys, for background context here, um, there has been a rivalry since a rivalry. Wow, I, I need I need a cocktail. There has been this this rivalry between Howard University and Hampton University since what the beginning of time. You know, some people call it a rivalry. I say <laughs> the best school always wins, and <laughs> the proof is oh, in the pudding. So but you know. Howard is home to me. I actually did. Um, I when I was in high school, I was in Howard Upper Bound, so from ninth grade all the way through until I graduated, which is it's a college readiness program. So all of my mentors came from Howard, and they and when I told them that I was going to Hampton, they were like, "Well, I'm not going to visit you. Just know that." And it's fine. It's fine. I still love them. But yeah, it's it's really interesting. And people actually ask me like, you know, if I was from DC, why didn't I go to Howard? And I say, because Howard is way too expensive for, for, you know, for the things. And Howard was me. Hampton was just, um, it just called my name. You know, I felt mm-hmm. like home. Yeah. No, I feel you. It's, it's mad expensive. And it was a, it was at times it was, it was a lot. Um, so I, I 100% feel you. I actually didn't graduate from Howard because of that, not because it was expensive, which it, it very much is, but because I switched my major. I, when I went to Howard, I was in a STEM program. Um, I guess that's what you call it. It was like a, I can't remember the acronym anymore, but it was like a STEM project or a STEM program. And I went, my senior right after I graduated my, my senior year in high school, right after I was there for a few months. And, um, I think we stayed on campus. Yeah, we were on campus for it in the uh, freshman dorm. And then we rolled into the fall semester and I was slated to do mechanical engineering. Cause that's what I was told I should be doing. Cause I love cars and I wanted to do car stuff. And I get in there and I'm like, bro, I suck at math. Like, why am I here doing this? And it was really, and I liked to draw and I was good at it, but the math part was just like, screwing me up. So I switched my major to design and their design school was cool, but like, I guess they were having staffing issues and I couldn't get into shit. And the prerequisite situation was wild. And then like any, getting anything done at the, uh, administration built building was like literally getting, you know, a root canal in the middle of Georgia Avenue. It was just like painful and difficult. And yeah, so I ended up switching to uh, George Mason and and getting my graphic design degree from there. But yeah, it, it, I feel you. It's expensive, but it was it was a lot of fun. I think going to an HBCU is just a blessing in and of itself. It is a magical experience. No, definitely. I think that being able to go to an HBCU and I think one of my friends, um, her parents actually graduated and her parents met at Hampton and they... Um, end up graduating or whatever. And, you know, she was telling, she was telling me just how every year her, her dad would like take her to Emancipation Oak and, you know, understanding the gravity of like the history that is built into not just Hampton, but like every HBCU. They're all, every one of them is, has its own history and it's baked into really like world history, American history. And I think that that's something that's so special that I think people take for granted or downplay on just because of where we are in our current 
state of HBCUs and how they're underfunded, how they're looked down upon from people in in the Black community, outside the Black community. It's, it's just kind of crazy when these were the, the institutions that we were only allowed to go to. We were mandated to go to these these places because we weren't allowed to learn aside white people. And if if that doesn't, if you don't feel the magnitude and the, the beauty of that, you don't have to go to an HBCU to respect it. And I think that a lot of times we're people are we're, we're losing the respect and you know don't don't get it twisted. Like this is this is how we have been able to move forward with HBCUs. Absolutely. And I think I I actually was just having this thought on like I feel like it should have been mandatory for every person of color. I think no matter what ethnicity you are, race or culture you're from, I think you should have some sort of mandatory schooling about from like your people, not from Caucasian people, but like from your people, you should be given some sort of like cultural literacy type thing where you training almost where you learn about who you are and where you come from because i don't think enough people know the the history and they don't understand why it's important and why certain things are a big deal or why certain things are problematic and it's it's crazy to me and it's crazy that like you just unless you learn it from your family you're not learning shit about your past or about like previous generations or you're not, or unless you take it upon yourself. Like my sister, Elise, she, um, she's a history major. She just uh, graduated from VCU. She's a double major. And, um, it's wild. She, she just like dives into this information and she reads all these books and she's like, and she's going to go and get her master's too. And she's really, really into it. But most people aren't like that. So, and if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't know a lot of shit about, you know, like Maggie Walker and just like all these different people that she has studied and read up on. And I feel like it should be mandatory that you learn about your culture from your culture in like a deep, profound way so that when you walk into the world, you have a better understanding of who you are. Yeah. And even like, I think that some people are super caught up on this 23andMe and Ancestry.com, like spinning on a stick to find out where your origins are, but it's so much power in your grandparents and your great-grandparents and knowing where they come from and things like that. Like it had been so powerful. My grandmother, before she passed, like I used to sit and ask her questions, you know, before she, before she would swap me away and say, I was asking too many questions, but she was, um, she grew up or no, she was an adult, but she lived in, Montgomery, Alabama during the bus boycotts and during Bloody Sunday and these these and you know, you know about Martin Luther King, but then it took me a while to put things together like, wow, my grandmother and her siblings were there during that exact time. Her youngest brother actually marched and um he he talked about, you know, making sure that he he ran away and kept himself safe because he's like, he was like really skinny then. And so I asked my grandma, I'm like, well, where were you girl? And she's like, well, I had to work. So they wasn't paying my bills. So I had to go to work and I respected it. But I I just found so much power in that. Like just knowing that my like we don't even have to say ancestors because it's not so far removed. Like this is a woman that I knew that I talked to that I I shared the same blood with and 
understanding her story is powerful. I think that sometimes we don't even take the time to actually even ask our grandparents and our parents questions about just how it was when they grew up. My parents grew up in the the 80s, the 70s and the 80s in DC. Like, what was that like? Like, what was life like? And people don't take the time to ask about that. Nope. It's crazy. It's it's absolutely insane. And and sometimes, you know, sometimes you're lucky and you'll have people in your life who who talk about stuff and they'll kind of open the door. Um, but sometimes you got to ask and you got to start that conversation because I have um, I have a black grandma and I had a white grandma and they had the same name and uh, their stories are wild. Right. My, my grandma was in my white grandma was in an interracial relationship when the shit was illegal. And, um, you know, her and my grandpa were in love and, you know, doing this and living here. And, and it was crazy. And then you hear my mom's experience as a mixed kid, what it was like for her, you know, looking Spanish and dealing with colorism and racism and just like, you know, nightmares by the KKK. You hear this stuff and you're like, wow, this is interesting. This is insane what people's experiences are like. And um, I think it's super interesting. It's, I think it's important to know where you come from and ask those questions. I wish 23andMe could be a little bit more damn accurate. I don't know how it can be accurate for people of color, for Black people. I, I don't, in America, I don't know how it can be. How, how do they know? You know, my sister's reading a book right now called Slave Ship, and it talks a lot of, it's a super, super technical, like, informative book. It's not like a fun, fun read. <laughs> and she's reading this book and it talks about like, I guess like the mechanics of, of how the slave ships were run and who was on them and why and how they were able to get so many people onto these these ships. Because we just think, oh, they just went and they captured people. No, it was a little bit more like in depth than that. And she's learning all about that. And she's like, yeah, you know, they were going from port to port. How are they, you know what I mean? Like, how do you track? There was no tracking. And then even once the the slaves were brought here, to the U.S., they didn't document when people were being born. There are no birth records and birth certificates. Like, I don't think my grandpa had a birth record. I don't, I'm pretty sure he didn't. Um, and I think they didn't know how old he, one of his siblings, they didn't know how old they were because there was no document. So how the hell is 23andMe going to tell me about myself when America wasn't even looking at people, Black people as people until like, you know what I mean? Like they weren't even tracking shit ever from, from like the jump, they were never tracking stuff, at least not exactly. in a, in a profound way. So, I mean, they could maybe tell me where my ancestors maybe are from, but like, how are they? I have no idea. And then you hear, oh yeah, they're selling your information and they're blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Fuck it. I just won't know yeah. where the hell I'm just going to have to <laughs> use the, uh, I think ancestry.com does like the tree mapping. That seems a little bit more safe. Um, but again, you're only going to go so far. Exactly. Because then, like you said, like they, we don't have birth certificates and black people also did not fill out the census because we were fearful if they knew how many people were in our house, they would come to get us or they wouldn't use, utilize the census because that's what ancestry.com uses. They use the census. So if, I was, if my grandparents weren't considered people, they wouldn't be on the census because if they're considered property, that's not, the census is taking account of the people, not the property. And then, I mean, and then if you, if you were fearful that they knew how many 
Black people were in your house, they would come to get you. And then it goes into more systematic things of like gerrymandering and how they would voter suppression, which still happens today. It's just so much that gets baked into that. So I don't trust that 23andMe. I don't trust Ancestry.com. None of that. I don't don't trust any of that. I trust Mm -hmm. the, the, the memories and the recollection of my grandparents and my, uh, you know, my parents, unfortunately, I'm like the youngest. So uh, most people like most of my my grandparents, and they were very old by the time I came around. So, you know, memory and things like that don't serve you as well. But no, I, I'd rather listen to it straight from straight from the source. Why? Why am I trying to trust the system that wasn't created to like count us as people to tell me what my ancestors were. Like there's there's no book signing at Ellis Island for my parents, for my grandparents, my great grandparents. That's true. That's true. And I, yeah, my my uh the only reason why the ancestry worked out for us in in a small sense is because my grandma was white and there was documentation for parts of her family, but because they immigrated here from Ireland, there's only so much. And they were able to I think they were able to surpass one of the I think the Ellis Island thing because they had X amount of money and they were able to go around. I don't know. It's interesting. A lot of this shit is interesting, but I think at the end of the day, you need to know where you come from and you need to continue to read and learn. That's why there's a lot of podcasts. out. I don't know if you've heard um, when you talked about Bloody Sunday, I didn't know a lot about Bloody Sunday. At least I didn't remember from schooling, but um, did you listen to the podcast show or have you heard of the one called White Lies? No, I haven't. I but I, I knew more about Bloody Sunday because of um, Selma, the mm, right, uh, right, Ava Duvernay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like watching. I'm like, hold up, Montgomery, Alabama, Grandma, were you there? <laughs> and she was like, "Yep, yeah." That that movie talks about Bloody Sunday and Bloody Sunday because Bloody Sunday sparked a lot of shit. And what's interesting is that that podcast was about two white guys who are fairly young. I don't think they're like older than 35. They're, they're two white dudes who I guess were born there, um, but now live somewhere else, whatever. And they went back and tried to investigate what the hell happened because all that shit popped off because this white dude, and I can't remember his name right now um, at all. It's super like, you know, basic. And it's like, I don't remember, but he, he died. Right. Because these white dudes jumped him. The white guys were at this, I guess it was a black restaurant. He got jumped or the three of them are four room. I think there was two or three of them. They got jumped by like four or however many white dudes jumped them because they came to help. Martin Luther King hit them up and was like, hey, we need help down here. Come down. And they were like, bet. So they came down to Montgomery. I think one of them's from Boston, um, where my my family was from. And the, he comes down there and then shit pops off. They leave a restaurant. They get jumped. Somebody dies. And they're trying to figure out who did it. And they didn't know this whole time. This shit happened like a million years ago. They didn't know. And so these white dudes went down there. And <laughs> it's crazy because they were able to figure out what the hell happened. Now, it sucked. You, you got to listen to this podcast. Everybody listening needs to listen to this podcast. It is so well done. I thought it was super interesting. It was very informative. And they were able to layer it really, really well. Um but like, this is the kind of shit that we need to be listening to. This is the kind of stuff we need to be like paying attention to because it affects our reality and, um, and our experience as we walk through life. And I think whether it, you know, history based or it's personal, you know, like to our, our specific families, it's so interesting to learn. And, uh, I, I recommend it like 1000%. I listened to it maybe 20 last year. I think I listened to it last year. I don't know how many episodes it is, but, um, 
But yeah, they find out some really uh, interesting stuff. And I'm not going to say they solved it, but they definitely made some moves that uh, apparently the FBI couldn't make when the FBI tr- attempted to try to like close the loop there. So totally worth the listen. But anyway, so I wanted to ask you why you why you chose finance as your like specialty. Was there any history or any like reason growing up where you were like, yeah, finance is my jam or numbers are my jam? Like, how did you get into that? So I I like to say I'm the product of what happens when you actually teach your children about money. And I am, I started learning finance and accounting when I was in like 10th grade. So I'm pretty young. So I'm 24, but I've been studying finance and accounting for the past 10 years. Um, 10th grade is when I started. By the time I hit 12th grade, I could do basic accounting. Well, actually, no, I could do college level accounting um, by the time I was in 12th grade. And I was learning about insurance and how those things worked and all of that when I was still in high school. And it, it was always interesting to me. I just liked how it systematically worked. And it's really funny because my my sister, before I went to college, I, I told her I would I was going to you know major in um, accounting, and she was like, "Well, you know, you're going to really have to love math, and you're going to really have to love account, um, love it to to you know study accounting." And it's funny because I'm terrible at math, like um, calculus, geometry, all of that. None of that makes sense to me, but money always made sense to me, and. I have always liked how how it moved in a system. So my parents are I come from a two parent household. My my parents are regular blue collar workers and um actually my dad worked two full-time jobs to, you know, provide for us and I'm super grateful for that, but my mom was actually the purse holder. So my mom taught taught me about money because that's what she liked to do. She she was the one who controlled the finances. You know, typically in most households, the man is the one who makes the money and maintains the money and things like that. But it was my mom. So growing up, I didn't realize, but I had always in my mind seen women as the purse holders and the finance people, because that was who she was. And I I learned about mutual funds and savings accounts, secured loans. All of those things was, was from my mother because she just liked money, but she had little formal training. She did go to college for like a year, but most of it was self-taught and she learned how to flip her money and make money work for her. And she is how I really got into understanding basic things about money. And then I got the formal training from the accounting side and the finance, which finance is much harder for me because finance actually involves much more account, much more math and formulas than accounting. Accounting is like, if you know how to add, subtract, multiply and divide, you can really be an accountant. Like it's, <laughs> it's more of how your the system works. And that was what attracted me to accounting. So a long-winded thing to say, um, my mom and um, and my teacher, like when I got put into accounting, fun story, I was, when I was in 10th grade, you know, you get those electives, right? And then they just put me in accounting. And I was like, I looked at my teacher and I was like, okay, well, I'm only going to be here for two weeks when they change my schedule because I don't want to be here. 
And the two weeks ended up for the next three years, I was taking the different levels of accounting and yeah. And then the rest is history. I got into personal finance and, and I love it. I like teaching people about money, but not in the restrictive sense. I love teaching people how to use money to benefit their life and to protect their family and their, their own self. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's crazy how like you can be in one class and be like, mm. and the next thing you know, it, it helps turn a page for you and you, you end up turning a corner in your own, in your own life really. Right. Cause it affects your whole life, but your career and in your schooling. So I think that's really cool that you were able to at least ride it out and then you ended up liking it and it turned into something. I love it when that happens. Yeah. It, you know, life works crazy, but really, what do you know as a 14 year old 10th grade student? <laughs> like, you really don't know anything. And then, you know, you don't really know much when you're like a 18 year old college student either. So it's, it's, yeah, continue. no. it's a continuous it's- learning thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's a, I think there's a lot of differences between, you know, different types of people in finance. Right. And cause I had, um, Jackie from sugar and money on and she does personal financing, but she blogs a lot and she uh, does a lot of budgeting and like grocery shop stuff. And it's really interesting watching her work. And then I follow people who focus on investing. And, um, then I focus on people who do a little bit different and they're very much on like how to manage your money, I guess, from different perspectives. And um, obviously followed, um, this is one chick, my sister told me about the budget, I think it, like the budget mama or the budgeting mama or something. And uh, her systems for saving money and for, I guess, planning for stuff. And uh, it's really interesting because everybody's kind of like focused. I think there's, if you're into money and, and like accruing wealth or saving or whatever, hitting certain financial goals, there's definitely somebody out there for you. And I think it's just a matter of finding who you resonate with and who has a lifestyle that you either want or like or admire um, and and seeing how they do it and, and how they're showing up and how they're budgeting and how they're whatever. Um, but it's always a good idea to learn how to do certain things and learn about certain things. Cause again, if unless somebody in your house is sitting there telling you shit or you're just like super into it and you're out here like Googling and you know what I mean? Going to the library and buying books on this stuff or going on a Kindle, you're not, you're not necessarily going to be privy to this information. So if you're not taught it or you're not like in your own household or in school and you don't retain it and then you don't go out on your own, how are you supposed to know this? So I think exactly. it's really important to follow people and to, and to figure out, how you want to live and how you want to grow and then start to make that happen. Absolutely. And that I encourage people all the time to find which personal finance guru really speaks to you. There are so many different types of people. One thing is, is most of them happen to be married. And that is something that I'm just not super connected to. I don't know what it's like to have to budget and take into consideration anybody else but myself. And I found that a lot of the information was coming from people who are married or who have children. And that's where I kind of got the disconnect from. And then I also felt like a lot of people were on the strict budgeting type of wave and, you know, limiting things. More talk about sacrifice and cutting out instead of abundance and adding to. And that's where I, I pushed my message to. 
But I'm also more than okay. If you don't like what I'm saying, by all means, unfollow me. You know, if you don't resonate with what my philosophies are and you think that I'm crazy and that life will never work the way that I envision it, by all means, please unfollow me. Don't don't try to be around me. You're just you're not going to get what you need. And that's fine. You know, if you want to only talk about how to get out of debt, don't follow me. If if that's what you're, you're most focused on, because that's not my message. That's not my story. And I always say, like, you know, debt is only one part of your financial story. And if that's the only thing that you feel is holding you back, not growing both and not, you know, trying to envision the life that you deserve and learning how to afford the life that you deserve and that you want, then I'm probably not the the one for you. And that is completely fine with me. But I do want you to find someone that does resonate with you. Yep. I mean, there's plenty of people. So yeah, it's definitely more than, um, it's more than for me, it is more for sure than debt and like student loans and, you know, credit card interest rates and some of the boring shit. Saving can be fun and like figuring out what the hell you want and how you're going to get it can also be fun. I've definitely learned that because I'm not big into numbers and, you know, it's just not my jam. And, but it's, it's a part of life, right? Just like, I'm not really into working out, but for <laughs> a number of health reasons, um, I do need to do it. So we got to figure it out, right? It's part of adulting. So yeah, yeah I think, um, I'm definitely interested in seeing what, what you offer and like your, your website and your pages. I know I try not to do a ton of research before my guests, before they come on. <laughs> so that way I'm not like, I don't know everything. It's, it's nice to learn, you know? And yeah. then when you learn and then you learn the why behind it, it makes it even cooler because now I know like why you do what you do and then how you do it versus just what you do. Um, so I think that's important to to notate here. So we will talk, I'll, I'll just put one more thing in here about what you do and then we're going to like switch to some like real random extra shit. So um, the last thing about your business that I wanted to mention is that you've been working really hard on a workbook and I want to talk about how I know about that. So guys, real quick, you know, I'm always the one who reaches out to people and, you know, hits people up on the gram and I DM people like left and right. And it's just something I do every so often. And it's normally me who initiates. And, you know, sometimes I get really fucking tired of being the only one who initiates. <laughs> well, recently I got a message back from Michael saying, Hey, I wanted to check up with you, blah, 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 blah. She sent me like a bunch of videos because I had sent her some voice notes. And then she proceeded to email me after like, I don't know, like a week or so had gone by of us chatting and like said, hey, I'm following up. I'm like, since when does anybody ever follow up? And she wasn't following up for any reason just to fucking follow up. Like she was following up to be like, hey, this is what I'm working on. I know we talked about some stuff, but like, what's good. Like it wasn't even a, Hey, let's do this. Or, Hey, I know you talked about, no, like there was no real motive. It was just like a plain, normal, Hey, follow up conversation. And I really, really appreciated that. And that's why we're on the phone today having this conversation because she put in that like little bit of effort, which essentially ends up being really big. So in the event that you are online talking to somebody, it could be in a Twitter DM, it could be in a Facebook messenger chat. It doesn't matter. I really recommend following up with people, especially when people reach out to you um, or in general, right? Just follow up with folks because it really can lead to something really, really cool. You don't know unless you follow up. So when she followed up with me, she said, Hey, what are you working on? Here's what I'm working on and gave me a list of things. So let's talk about one of those things. So you mentioned, um, working on a budgeting workbook. Um, and then I mentioned in your intro that you were also looking to get certified. Um, tell me about those two things. So yeah, first 
that is I'm getting more into the networking space and I really like the last couple of weeks I have just taking the time to reach out to people in their DMs and say, hey, and getting on calls with people because it it is genuine. And like, I genuinely like to know what other people are working on and being a part of it because you never know what big thing happens. And I think that sometimes we're so focused on talking to the people at the top and you Forget all the people that are like right there, right next to you, right in the eye level. And I think that's something that Issa Rae always talks about. So that's just my like quick two cents about that. And um, voice notes and videos are much more personal in the DMs. That's why I like to send them. Um, But so first, the certification. So I'm working on getting my business certified as a woman-owned and a minority-owned business. And what that is, is just a a certification to help... um, get on specific lists because a lot of companies only work with businesses or only hire contracts with businesses that are minority owned because they have to hit a quota and you know you get on this personalized list so that is one thing that I'm working on just to make my business a little more attractive. I definitely want to get into the space of doing corporate trainings and working with corporations who have the young adults or the, the recent graduates and helping them creating the budget and their money management system. A lot of times, and I've sat through several of these money management um, or you know budgeting workshops that the company provides, and they're not really equipped for young people. They're more equipped to tell you about your options for retirement and buying a house and starting a family. I'm 20, when I'm 22 to like, honestly, up until like around 20, 27, I felt like when you're in your later 20s is when you're starting to think about those things. Uh, If I'm 22 and I just got a job for $70,000, do you think that the first thing on my mind is how I can have kids and retire. Absolutely not. Like it, I just felt like the, the information definitely falls flat. And then I just launched or relaunched my workbook and I'm super excited about it. It's a budgeting workbook that's hooked a fuck ton of work and long nights. I'm not going to leave that out. Like a lot, it took, it took a lot of time, but it was definitely pleasurable because I'm just excited about seeing, seeing it come together, like come from just a concept to an outline to the fully developed designed workbook. And I'm, I'm super proud of it. It's called Financially Innovative, um, How to Avoid financial rock bottom and uh, finance your best life because, you know, your your best life can only be lived if it is properly financed. And it, it's one of my prides and joy. And it's a great all-inclusive tool. So it goes from understanding your income, how to track your expenses, how, well, not expenses, your, but the money that's coming out. So how much you're spending, understanding your income, the actual expenses that are necessary for you to live and survive, how to um, allocate your budget, how to negotiate your bills with with your service provider and your creditors. All of that is in there. How to understand what type of savings you're doing and um, how to then after you've created the money system, how to automate it and then how to go back and review 
and what things you should be looking at when you're reviewing your budget. And, you know, it's it's nothing really like this, of course, because the, the financial flow is something that I personally took time to create. It took me about six months to really get down and understand what type of system I wanted my money to run on. And once I got the system, I was like, hey, you know, I think that this would be a great way to help other people learn how to budget and manage their money without feeling restricted. And that's just the whole goal for me. Boom. And I love how you said uh, that in order to live your best life, it needs to be well-financed. That's absolutely true because everybody wants to be the, the rich auntie, right? Who's traveling and doing her thing and living la vida loca. But it's very hard to do that when you don't have the coins or a sugar daddy to support and fund those lifestyle choices. So yes. absolutely. And I and I, <laughs> I definitely support the sugar daddy too. So, you know, however you make your money, girl, <laughs> I don't judge. I just want you, once you make the money to, to, to properly have it put together, you know, don't get all the money from the sugar daddy and not have enough to, to support you just in case, you know, he, he goes away, you know, you never know exactly. what's going to happen, especially if he, if he's an old one. Exactly. I was watching, <laughs> um, I was watching Pose the other day. I'm super behind. And I was watching the episode where Electra, um, you know, she's, she's got a sugar daddy and he told her these were the rules and she broke the rule. And, um, he came back and he was like, you broke that rule. We're done. And he cut her off. And so she didn't have no money. And so she went back to her house and everybody's like, uh, what are we going to do? And they find out that she no longer has the funds, but because she had misallocated all of the money that he had been given her, they hadn't, she hadn't paid rent on her own house for two months because she had taken all this money for her surgery. And so it was one of those things where it was like, that's a great example of how we do not (laughs) take care of our funds. Because you don't want to be left hanging when shit hits the fan and you don't have that. And, and I think a lot of people right now are are struggling with, um, you know, potentially having done that at some point in the last, I don't know, six to 12 months. And maybe they don't have enough now. Um, and it could be for any reason. And sometimes, you know, it's coming. Sometimes you don't, right? Most of the time, you don't know when shit's about to hit the fan and financially you're going to be SOL. And that's one of the I think one of the toughest parts for most people with money is that you, you don't know when your car's going to fucking break down. You don't know when you're going to break your leg during a salsa lesson. You don't know when you're going to get knocked up. Like you, some of these things you just don't know. And so um, it, it makes it very difficult. So I think having the plans in, in ahead of time is great. And now is kind of a really good time to plan, right? Because everyone's going to want to go somewhere in the fall or in the summer, whenever the hell we get released from this, everyone's going to want to go somewhere. And you got to have a plan. You got to have, you know what I mean? It's it's a really great time, I think, to kind of get your financial shit together. Exactly. You know, get your finance shit together. I promise you, you'll feel so much better. Like, life gets so much easier when you don't have to wonder if you paid your bills or not. Like, you just know that, oh, I have, not only did I pay my bills, but I have money left over after my bills to do something else. And that's yep. fun. That makes you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. So, okay. So when this is over, when like we can leave, what do you do in the city to have fun? Listen, I, you know how people are like on Twitter talking about, oh, now if somebody invites me out, I'm definitely going to go. I was that girl that was already going out. Okay. Me and my friend, we, we happy hour was always um, clubs, bars, 
lounges. We we are out. We did brunch every Sunday, but not one of those like twerking party brunches. I, I'm not a fan of people twerking next to my eggs. I like um, the regular brunches where they come and just, you know, have the, they have food, have the food. Yeah. You know, because the party brunches, you know, no one's really there for the food. They're more there for the party. And right. I would rather go somewhere nice to eat the food and then go to the party after. But no, I'm definitely a social girl. And that was the, that's the other thing. Like, I mean, I'm dating, I'm doing things. Why I'm not going to sit in the house just to save money when I could just, I could be out going to find my own potential sugar daddy. You know, you never know, but you can't find them in the house. You really can't. (laughs) You really can't. DC is a big place. There's plenty of dudes. Plenty. Uh and and depending on the the location, you know, if you want to be real fancy, you go to Georgetown. You go like to the W. That's that's listen. I have been to the W on like just a an evening, just just to get a glass of wine. Like sometimes I'll do that. I'll just go to the bar by myself, not like on some like weird lonely drunk girl kind of thing. More, more so like on some, like, I want to be out. I want, you know, some other energy. I just want to see what's popping. So I, I've gone to the W by myself and just to get a glass of wine and the number of sugar babies and sugar daddies in that one bar. I was like, you know what? I'm probably not living life right, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I haven't been to the W in <laughs> so long. I used to party so hard in dc so hard i mean oh my god i miss it it's it's i used to act like the 45 minute drive to where i lived was nothing and then Mm. i moved to california and it's like a hassle to go anywhere over like 14 minutes (laughs) and now i'm like "Mm, i have to go to the city it's so far Mm. so i'm trying to like revitalize my mind and like plan ahead so that all the turn up shit i know about i've got like my va is helping me organize all of this so as soon as this shit is over i'm gonna be oh see you are fancy whitney see we don't have anyone to plan all the fun shit we um we just scroll. Maybe sometimes we're on Eventbrite or maybe we just like, hey, let's just go out and see what happens. You know, some I nights mean, it works. <laughs> exactly. But I live too far for that shit not to work. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? I can't just like stumble out. When I stumble out, I hit Target because that's what's near here. Um, I don't have like, you know what I mean? Like if I'm yeah. going to the city, it's a 45 minute commitment. One you way. You got to have a plan. You got to have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know what? It's it's networking. If anything, maybe I'll meet a sugar daddy. Maybe I'll meet my next bestie or my next, you know, lover of the season. I don't know what you call yeah. that, but you know, you never know who you're going to meet, and that's kind of the fun part. And DC never. is so dynamic, and it's so um, well rounded. I feel with different types of people, it's it's so much fun. It's one of my favorite cities in the whole U.S. to network and to meet people. Yeah. You really never know who you'll meet. Um, One night, you know, I was very drunk and I met a man from France, gorgeous black man from France. 
And he liked to drink Melbeck just like I did. And oh, I that, love Melbeck. Oh my gosh. And fun fact, if you wanna if you wanna really attract the, the fancies, you either drink you drink wine in the club or you drink a martini in the club. Those are the only two drinks that they'll give you in a glass when you're at the mm-hmm. club. Every other drink they'll give it to you in a in a paper in you know, in a cup or something. But if yep. I'm drinking wine, then you know I'm I'm the bitch in the club drinking wine. So, well, you can clearly see the wine glass in my hand. So either they're going to be like, hmm, she she may be a little bit too bougie for me, which probably I am. Or, or they're like, hmm, this girl has some taste. Let me go buy her something. Yep. Either way, it's a qualifier. And yeah. it's a way to narrow down. The, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> And you're absolutely right. And one of my pro tips, actually, if you guys have never heard me say this, it's very important. Please listen up. When you are at a venue, a bar, some sort of a mixer, could be a networking happy hour. It doesn't matter. Whenever you are out and they serve alcohol, if you, um, if you're by yourself or if you're with maybe one or two of your friends, I always like to start the night off with one very strong cocktail. And I like to do this typically on an empty stomach. Why? Because it's like basically having two two and a half uh, for the price of one. I typically only ever pay for my first drink. And then the rest of the night, I either don't drink that much because that first drink was hitting me pretty hard or because somebody else is paying for it. So again, this goes back to the whole financial, you know, literacy and education part. This is how you save coins. Um, my first cocktail choice is always a, a Cosmo or something that's like a double. So you guys know I love Moscow mules. Um, you could absolutely get a glass of Malbec, but make sure it's on an empty stomach. It just makes it so that you loosen up a little bit faster and, you know, you you save those those coins. I think getting sugary drinks is not only bad for you, it leads to hangovers, it's not worth it, and you're paying for sugar, which, you know, come on. Of all the things that you could be paying for, I think paying for, you know, like a sex on the beach or like a Mai Tai at a at an event is 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 typically a bad move unless it's happy hour. And again, now you're just paying for sugar, but you're paying half the price for sugar, I guess. So I say go big or go home when it comes yeah. to that. So I think that's I a pro tip to save money. I don't like the I don't really care for mixed drinks either. They they, they just don't hit the same. And um, I do, I concur with that. You definitely just go for the drink. Actually, in the name of saving money, because I'm a financial educator, so I want you to save your tips. Um, me and my friend, we we did, my, my, my good girlfriend who I always go out with, we made a commitment that we wouldn't, we wouldn't pay for drinks, okay? So we would buy bottles and we would just drink before we went out. That's another pro tip, okay? Yep. You yep. just drink, just drink before you go out. And, um, but we were like, okay, so we're not going to buy drinks at the bar because drinks at the bar are really highway robbery. I'm just going to say mm-hmm. that. Okay. They're, they're priced way, way too high. So we never would, we, for one, one, for three months, for a whole quarter, we were like, okay, we're not going to buy drinks. For some reason, we always ended up drunk. Okay. And I'm just yep. going to say. I saved a lot of money that, that that quarter. And then that also kind of just changed our mindset when we go out now. Like, we're either going to drink before we go out or, you know, if you if you chat me up and you're not buying me a drink, I don't know what we're chatting about. Okay? And if you buy me a drink, I may disappear. You may never see me again. But that's okay. We've had our moment. We did. And you know what? We... 
<laughs> I don't know if you follow Joanne the Scammer, but oh, I think- absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I love Joanne and I believe in a lot of her, um, her mission statements. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, it's really an alignment for me because one, I think it's just funny. And, you know, these men and uh, what am I going to say? Right. You already know, you already know what's good. And I think if you took the time and spent all of that, I mean, think about how much money men spend getting ready versus how much you probably spent getting ready. Okay. Right. Okay. And you're supposed to go out, right, with your fuel and your car and park. And sometimes you have to pay, right, just to go and buy your own. For me, it's just like it needs to be balanced. And I also off for making more money than you are, too. Statistically, hello. Statistically, hello? men make more money than women. So mm-hmm. it, just that make it. it just doesn't It doesn't make sense. make sense. And it really ties into what I talk a lot about, which is networking. And I think there are ways, you know, Joanne – the scammer excluded that you can really network and meet people and learn to be more social. I find mm-hmm. that, you know, you get a lot of bougie people in the club, bougie women in the club who don't want to speak. And I'm like, bro, why did you leave the house? And I had to <laughs> learn how to look more approachable and look mm-hmm. more, you know, just look nicer because when you go into these clubs with an attitude and with a, you know, your shit don't stink thing, it, it really is a detractor. So I think it's, it's a good challenge, you know, to, to look presentable not presentable, but like look approachable look and open. to look nice. Mm-hmm. So people will approach you. It's a great way to mix and mingle. And not every dude is trying to holler at you. Number one, not every dude wants to have sex with you or get your number. Not every guy wants to buy a drink. Some guys are just like there. They're just there and it's awkward it's all awkward so have a good time like get a drink loosen up a bit and talk to people like yeah like talk to people i think it's a great marketing or well and it's marketing yourself but it's also it's a great networking strategy to you know just open up the dialogue you don't have to buy drinks and stand there by yourself looking crazy it, it just i saw that at uh the park you know the park is roll it's real popular um, and they've yeah. got like 40 floors and an outdoor area. <laughs> and I would see all these girls and I'm just like, Oh my God. Um, it's wild how, yeah. how people just don't want to, they just go out. What do you, what do you, what are you out for? Why do you, you leave know, the house if you weren't going to talk to anybody? They just want to show off their outfit. I think so. I, a good, a really good resource and it's going to sound really weird because um, I know you asked me about like some books that I've been reading and I should have used this book. It's called The Game of Desire, and it's by Shambudi or Shambudram. The Game Mm -hmm. of Desire is, it's a dating book, right? But it is so much more than just dating. Like, she really talks about how we interact with people, and it goes to that, like, looking like you're approachable, like, you know, how just by your body language, if you turn a little bit towards people versus keeping your back towards people when you're at the bar more people are are genuinely going to speak to you but then um even me like I like to speak I'm a I'm a speaker I like to teach people and I do those kind of things so talking to people is practice so I practice like different like not I don't want to say mind tricks but like if I read something in a psychology book or like Game of Desire, like how to phrase questions, how to like talk to people, 
I practice on strangers. It's better to practice on strangers that you meet in the club that you'll never or at the bar that you're never going to see again than to use a weird like negotiating tactic on your boss. Like it's better to to practice a little bit more, get comfortable with it, and then you can use it, you know, in business and in at work and stuff like that. So that's that's Game of Desire is a really good book. Sweet. Yeah, I'll link that in the comments. Um, it, it's absolutely true. And I think for anybody who's nervous about, you know, the quarantine being lifted and going out again, and because I know a lot of people felt, you know, refuge, being able to stay home and, and safe and warm and no one's bothering you to go out and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to show up for anybody's birthday parties. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that's going to change soon. So I think it's good to be ready and to feel confident and all that. But um, definitely some good pro tips, <laughs> some good tips on saving money and having a good time and being resourceful. We're all about being resourceful on this show. And um using your best judgment, obviously. I'm not saying, you know, drink on an empty stomach and then make horrible decisions, i.e. calling or texting your ex or accidentally sending a weird picture to your boss. These are things we don't we don't want you to do. Um, always, you know, be responsible, drink responsibly and all of the things, wear protection, etc. right? Um, but I do want to end on just, you know, some things that you want to talk about or any questions that you have for me, for, I don't know, for the guests to think about, what have you got? So my question that I always like to leave people with is just to think about what is the life that you desire, you know, when it comes to your finances or think about the life that you deserve. So do you deserve to not know your financial future? Does future you deserve to live paycheck to paycheck? Does future you deserve to struggle financially or not have enough money to save in case of the unexpected because the unexpected will happen? You know, does your future self deserve that? And if the question, if the answer is no, which I hope that it is, um, what does future you deserve? What does future you want to see? Um, For example, me, I, in the future, future Kale does not drive because I hate driving. I think it's the worst thing that I've ever done in my life. Um, I, future me lives in a gorgeous DC row house, which means I don't need to own a car. And um, future me is able to pay for my nieces and nephews college because that's what rich aunties do. So that is, you know, what, what is future you? What, what are three things that future Whitney does? Mm. Well, um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is definitely a fun uh, exercise. I hope everybody does it. And if you are listening, screenshot your phone right now and then put your three things in the screenshot on IG and tag us in IG stories. You guys know my handle is Whitney Danielle Co underscore, or you could do the network and spill one. Um, but make sure you tag us both and uh, and and tell us what what your your three things are. But I would say, yeah, I mean, I'm all about the rich auntie life. I'm an auntie now, as of like a month ago, and um, I think getting getting a lot of those 
those financial things like just locked, locked and loaded. That's totally a goal, right? Being able to get that. I love driving and I, I will have like a fleet of cars. So I want like one of those Jay Leno garages where I have like a car for like my outfit. That's my goal. So, um, you know, for sure. I definitely deserve a Jay Leno garage, uh, Whitney style. And I want to be bi-coastal. I want to have like properties wherever I want to have properties. Maybe I live in them, maybe I don't, but I definitely want to have multiple estates in different parts of the U.S. because I don't do winter. Um, I don't do hail. I just got a note from my insurance company saying it's hail season. I'm like, fuck, I hate it. Um, and so, yeah, that's, and then as far as, you know, lodging of my own, I, I need a garage. I want a garage and I want a dog. I mean, I could go on. There's a lot of things that I've got pending, um, but I'm really excited. And I think, um, I'm excited about your workbook to come out and when you get all that, I'll link it and people can obviously hit you up if they're interested, but, um, you know, I, I'm excited to get out in DC on some rooftops too. I mean, yes, we got to go out and you know what? I had a meetup last year in, yeah, it was last year. I want to say it was in May. It was around this time. And I had it at um, the Grand Cata. It's a Spanish wine bar or wine like store. And mm-hmm. it's on George Avenue. And uh, it's really nice. It's brand new. It's new. And I hosted an event there. And they had like, we had like this little bougie tasting. And we bought snacks and cheese. And they had these weird chips. It was really, really fun. But they have all kinds of Malbecs there. And so we mm-hmm. may have to do another meetup in like the end of the summer or something, I'll get some people, um, together. One of my podcast guests, Desiree, she's into wine. She's from Maryland. She came and I got to meet her in person there. So definitely got some events planned. We gotta, we gotta link up in real life. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, when Rona has, has moved out, um, I'm definitely down for it, but the workbook is out. I will say that. And I'll give you all the information. The workbook is available for download. We couldn't do any print copies, Avi, you know, no one's really working and that's not an essential item, but um, it is on download so you can get it right now. You don't have to wait for the um, for the the shipping. And if you use code spill, then you can get twenty dollars off so you can get it for nineteen dollars instead of the regular price at thirty nine. Woohoo! And I'll put that in the show notes. So you guys definitely check it out. And um, yeah, make sure you let us know that you've listened and definitely share this episode out um, with anybody who's into money or, you know, has that um, and or wants to get better at it, right? It's all about education. Um, anybody who's partying every so often or is into sugar daddy lifestyle, really just send this to your friends <laughs> and make sure you go to Apple. Apple Podcasts, the Purple app, and leave a review, leave a, a comment, um, say something cute, and give me the five stars because it boosts the show and it and it gets it out there. So I'm I'm reading more statistics about podcasts and I'm trying to get more people to listen and to subscribe because there's so many good shows out there. But if people don't know, they don't know. Also, don't forget to check out White Lies because that's a really good show. Um, it's not a black podcast, but it's definitely about black history and it's amazing. Um, anything else? Anything else I forgot? Make sure you're following the Bougie Budgeter, Bougie with a J, Budgeter on Instagram. She's also on LinkedIn and Twitter, and I will link those in the show notes. So definitely peep the show notes regardless so that you have all the details there. And the book that she mentioned, I will also put in the show notes. So yeah, I think that's it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for being on the show, girl. I appreciate you. Thank you for inviting me. I've had such a great time. Yay. 
All right, guys, we'll be back next week with a new episode. Make sure you're following us on the gram. Tell your friends and have a great one. Cheers. Thank you.